Hey everyone, we had some issues with our mics for this record, so you might hear some popping or feedback here or there. And as always, you may hear some strong language. Enjoy the show! You guys aren't hearing this, right? Always. I didn't all hear roads. that. You did hear that one? Yep. Yeah. I heard all roads. All roads. Yeah. Barely. Barely? Yeah. I can't hear what the words are, but I can hear the music. Oh, that's so strange. Are you going to have to do all this and we'll post? fix it in post? I can always fix it in post. <laughs> it's pure shit. <laughs> that you can hear. All roads lead to dick. That you can hear. Wait, am I screen sharing though? Mm-hmm. You're screen yeah. sharing, yes. Can you see the 13 going on 30 or are you seeing my other desktop? I see big versus 13 going on 30 outline. Okay. In Pride, in pride Month colors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very color coded. I like it. Yeah, no, it's good. It helps me differentiate. Otherwise, it's just a uh, lot of words. A lot of, lot of words. <laughs> Agreed. All right, well, we can... If, Steve, are you all good with your sounds? Well, just, or... I just want to see if... Steve notes, Steve notes. Oh, Steve notes. Steve notes, Steve notes, Steve notes. Oh, man. Okay, yeah, we can start. Okay. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Film Fight, a film analysis podcast where we take two movies with a similar story and see which one is better and why. I'm your host, Zach Bassetta, and I'm here with with my co-hosts and yours, (laughs) everyone's co-hosts, television director and artist Amber Hollinger, sound engineer. (laughs) Hey, hey. (laughs) Hey, I always do that. It never, never gets here. old. And, and you know what? Uh, there's even some ellipses here to tell me this. I think down. you just, you need to put pause, Zach, on yeah. every part. No, you know what it is? It's like, I want everyone to be able to join the conversation all at once. And, and that's my problem. It's so funny. I should just, I should know now not to say hi. I keep saying no, hi. no, you're totally correct. Uh, Television director and artist Amber Hollinger. How are you, Amber? Hi, Zach. <laughs> Always so good to hear your voice. Uh, sound engineer and post-production guru, Steve Walter. Hello, Steve. How are you this uh, wonderful evening? I'm great. Glad good. to be here. Good. Uh, so am I. And of course, marketing strategist extraordinaire, Jim Vistano, our own Jim Carrey lookalike. How's it going? How are you guys doing? Doing good. Good. Harder than heck, but we're, I'm good. It's 108 oh. degrees. Oh my God. <laughs> Why totally. did we choose to live on the center of the sun? I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> it's even worse in Texas. So oh, what, no. what can you do? Mm. Uh, Apparently we can sit and watch uh, a lot of movies this week. That's right. Some, some rom-com. I mean, I think these fall under the category of rom-com. Absolutely. Te- technically. Yeah. These should definitely fall in like ca- comedy category. So I guess uh, we should talk about the marquee matchup then. We're talking about big versus 13 going on 30. We're calling this our teens turning into grownups overnight after making a wish edition. Well, I, te- technically, Josh is 12 when he makes the wish. That's true. That's a good Because they make because a very... Turns 13, mm-hmm. turns 13 that's right. in the movie. You're right. Uh, you, you guys... You change, I'll have to rewrite that then, I guess. <laughs> We no, no. forgot the uh, the theme song. Hold on a second. Yeah. 
It's oh, maybe maybe we could all do a choreographed four-person flash mob to Film Fight song because that would fit right into these movies this week. Uh, yeah, just exactly. <laughs> we use the thriller <laughs> choreography though, <laughs> right? Right. To make it uh, really fun. Uh, well, I think most people have probably seen Big Thirteen, going on thirty. Uh, maybe not so much. I had not seen it. Uh, I haven't so seen that was it either, although newer. Yeah, 2004 as compared to Big's 1988. So that's a real 80s prime film there. I love they drew so much inspiration from Big. You could you could tell that they borrowed a lot of ideas there, which I guess. Especially you're, you're uh, the, the, the cleverness of the uh, time travel mechanism. Both of them were so good. Oh, well, we disagree there. We'll get into that. But let's talk about just like stats for big director Penny Marshall. I forgot how good she was as a director. Penny Marshall for president. She rocked the crap out of this movie. You know, most people know her as playing Laverne on Laverne and Shirley. But She has 16 directing credits for movie and television, including A League of Their Own, which also had Tom Hanks in it. Awakenings, writing in cars with boys and... Jumping Jack Flash. And her dad is Gary Marshall, who had directed Pretty Woman. Yes. This is a very talented family. She directed Awakenings, the Robert De Niro one? Yeah. Which was right after this. And also, that's kind of strange because Tom Hanks was the first choice to play Josh in this movie. But when they thought he wasn't available, they were going to get Robert De Niro. So I wonder if it's part of that relationship from directing Awakenings. Because apparently they had trouble. They were going to make Josh kind of a streetwise kid to fit in with the Robert De Niro actor. And uh, Oh, yeah, you'd have to. You'd have couldn't. to change that character. <laughs> but I mean, I just, as much as I love Robert De Niro, I don't see that version working oh, at all. Well, I'm no, so not, glad. Compared when, not compared to when you're seeing this version. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I don't think uh, at this Niro point, you could so much older. Else. He would have been so much older. Like playing at a toy factory, that, that would not have worked. Yeah, it's against type i'm i'm glad that tom hanks became available for the part yeah and apparently uh david moscow who plays young josh was originally cast as billy but then when they finally did get tom hanks they thought he looked so much like him they recast him as young josh so trivia there i read that they actually had that uh boy play a lot of the scenes before tom hanks and then tom would go in and sort of use that as an inspiration for his mannerisms and acting styles, I guess. Which is yes. awesome. That is, yeah. in- sorry, Amber, go on. Oh, I, know. I was gonna say that I think you could really tell the difference between 13 going on 30 and Tom Hanks and the betrayal of adults being children. It was clear that Tom did his homework and deep dived on how kids act. And he did that, like you were saying, by actually watching the kid actor that plays him as a kid play his own scenes to see what he would do. And I guess he hung out with the actor that played Billy for a couple, like a month or so, just to build a relationship. So, so that smart. was clear. Yeah, they definitely had chemistry. Yeah, that worked. I like that little kid. I don't oh, know yeah. if he's done much. Was he Not much. The- I looked him up. I mean, he's done some stuff, but. Funny, I shrunk the casting. Yeah, it was really good. I mean, they work really, really well together. And because Tom, like you said, Tom Hanks did such a good job. He, he, you really believed the entire time he was just a big 13 year old. He really was. I mean, he never broke that character at all, you know, and, and, and him hanging out with that kid, he kind of just fit in. It didn't feel like, oh, this is an adult acting like a kid. He was actually acting like, you know, it, like he was actually 13 years old. 
And Jennifer Garner, at first I thought like, is she, she was acting like she was an alien or it just, it wasn't really <laughs> translating as like, like, I'm a child now suddenly grown up. It was like, I'm an android. It was, I don't know. I love Jennifer Garner, but yeah. I think this is like her first feature film. Yeah. So, yeah. And when you're comparing the two, you're right. She was a little more, it was a little more forced as opposed to Tom Hanks where it just seemed natural the entire time. Hers, I get, you could tell she what she was trying to do and what she was doing. And, and like you said, she's, she was good. It just wasn't as believable right. as Tom Hanks. As, as double Academy Award winner, uh, Tom Hanks' performance. <laughs> Exactly. Well, let's talk. Yeah. Let's talk about the actors in this film. Like we, uh, for Big, we have writers Gary Ross and Ann Spielberg. They had written uh, "What Women Want." What Women Want. Uh, Gary Ross wrote Pleasantville and the Hunger Game adaptation from the book, and Sea Biscuit and Ocean's Eight. Really strong scripts there. And wow. Ann was more of a TV writer, mostly writing for Amazing Stories. But I thought I read amazing... she was his sister. Oh well, then that would make a lot of sense. Huh. See, that would mean that they were related in some way if he was brother. You know what? So I, while, while, while Jim's looking there, I was going to say I, we watched um, 13 Going on 30 as a group and we independently watched Big. And I had so much trouble. You know, if you type Big into a search engine, Big and Movie, you get mm-hmm. a lot of results for a lot of things. And I mean, I went through a shit ton of really weird movies with Big in the title before I found the Tom Hanks did, version. Did you give one of them a chance? Did you kind of check any of them out first? I or? gave, a, yeah, you know, I gave a, quite a few of them a chance and then I was like, yo, <laughs> this is not helping my confidence whatsoever. I need to find the Tom Hanks movie, which probably has a third less giant penis in it, but only a third. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I get confused, you guys. You know that. I can't help it. I, you know. Well, John, Her- John Heard was playing the giant penis in this version of Big. <laughs> oh, well played, Zach. Well played. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, Steven Spielberg is her brother. Nice. Thank you for fact checking, Jim. I You're welcome. Check that more thoroughly. Wow. So, man, what a talented family. I mean, amazing stories. Louise. The original uh, Amazing Stories that came on in the '80s was such a great show. It was like really Twilight good. Zone but without a lot of the gnarly bits, it was still really good. I remember a couple of episodes very vividly, even though it was Same. only on, I think, for one season. Very yeah. short-lived, but it was like a Twilight Zone takeoff that wasn't just another rip-off of the Twilight Zone. It did feel like there was something kind of different about it. Is that what Amblin Entertainment? I think that's how that started. They, they, they oh, no, Amblin has been around. That was his first company production company yeah before before amazing stories because i remember seeing maybe, oh, maybe you're right maybe you're right um because i remember seeing that where's the fact checking <laughs> no you're right it's it was named after a short film he did called amblin i got those two mixed up right it was really good but that's not what we watched we watched tom hanks that's right and jennifer garner pretend to be little kids yes, i uh, but tom hanks we were talking about his role in this he has 93 acting credits to his name on IMDb. I mean, everybody should know him. If you don't know him, stop listening to this podcast. What are you doing? Go watch a Tom Hanks movie because you have to know this actor, Forrest Gump and the voice of Woody in Toy Story and Green Mile and Saving Mr. Banks and the Polar Express and A League of Their Own and Volunteers and Splash. I mean, they're I mean, just all good on. movies. Private Ryan, Philadelphia. Uh, yeah. Big was kind of at the tail end of his introduction i mean like that the previous year like volunteers have come out uh splash mm-hmm. i mean uh the money pit 
And so like some of like, yeah, like not huge Tom Hanks films, but ones that people still like, I think. I don't think he, I, I sometimes catch old Tom Hanks movies like Turner and Hooch or Money Pit and the movies themselves are kind of like, man, but he is always so. It's his performance for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. I have a friend who has, who owns a production company who has never seen a Tom Hanks movie. Wow. That was not even possible living on the planet. I, I don't think I don't that person know. should be working in Hollywood. Should yeah. It should be an automatic strike. It was a discussion. He's been uh, in the same baseball box as Tom Hanks and watched a baseball game with him, but he's never seen one of his movies. No, I don't buy it. It's crazy. No, that's, that's kind crazy. of crazy. He's, he's a liar. Crazy. Well, besides Tom Hanks, uh, big also stars Elizabeth Perkins, which she was great in this role, and Robert, how do you pronounce his name? Loja. Mm-hmm. And hello, 233 acting credits for Robert. Hello, that's insane. I got big actors in this and big. Totally. And I had forgotten <laughs> that John Lovitz uh, is in it. Yeah. I know. I, I saw that too. I was like, I forgot it too. And I'm like, oh my God. And Kevin, Me- Kevin Meany as well, if you know that stand up comedy. Uh, Kevin Meany's an uh, uh, old comedian that I used to watch a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have a connection to John Lovitz because my very first job was working on The Critic and he was the main character wow. on the TV show. Highly Love underrated the show. Absolutely. <laughs> it stinks. <laughs> <laughs> so well, let's talk about 13 going on 30, just getting some of the stats out of the way. Directed by Gary Winnick. He has 12 directing credits, Letters to Juliet, Charlotte's Web, Bride Wars and an episode of Ugly Betty. So a little bit of TV stuff in there, maybe not this as was prolific. His seventh film, uh, 13 Going film. on 30. Yeah. It was written by Josh Goldsmith, who wrote The Mighty Ducks and What Women Want and Over the Top. Hello. Sylvester Stallone. Oh, that I got it wrong. It was those guys that wrote. I'm sorry. Well, we'll yeah, edit that out yeah. in post. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, we're leaving that in forever. <laughs> yes, they had gotten, they, I mean, What Women Want was a big movie that year, so they kind of got to do this, I guess. Hey, so it's Steve, a writing team, though, it looks like. Kathy Yusba and Josh Goldsmith look like they're a writing team because they both wrote Mighty Ducks, What Women Want, and Over the Top. So for you, Over the Top or Judge Dredd, Zach, because you've been on a Dread tear lately. You've mentioned it several is that, times. Is that Over the Top, the Stephen, or the Stallone movie? Yeah, I think it's the arm wrestling movie, right? Um, yes. Okay, I just want to make sure. Wait, over the top or what? What was my other choice? Dread? <laughs> oh, Dread, of course. Absolutely. Okay, yes. that's what I thought. I mean, over the top isn't even the best Stalone film. Uh, and so Dread is actually- no, it is not the best And film. that's a correct statement. But I was trying to think of where I'd seen the kid from Big. He's the kid in Over the Top. Shut that's up. Right. Yeah. Oh my it, gosh, I just didn't now realized put that, that together. So many epiphanies. So starring uh, 13 Going on 30, stars, we were talking about Jennifer Garner. She had a lot of TV credits up until this point, both best known for Alias, and she's done Ghosts of Girlfriends Past. She was in Daredevil and Electra, obviously married to Ben Affleck. She's in Pearl Harbor. It also stars Mark Ruffalo and Judy Greer. Very, like, all these guys have massive writing credits to their name. Great. I, I love Mark Ruffalo. Most people would know him now as the Hulk in the Avengers series. Mm-hmm. Yes. He is the best Hulk. Actually, I'm going to rephrase it. He's the best Bruce Banner the, of the ones who have played him. Because you, and it's not like distracting, but you, not to go on a tangent, but you can visibly see him trying to remain calm. And I think it's such a great acting choice. I just had to mention. He's been in such great movies. I didn't realize that I was such a Mark Ruffalo fan until I started reading his resume. I mean, oh, wow, Dark Waters and the Avengers and Shutter Island and Zodiac. Rumor has it. These are date night. I love that movie, date night. It's so much fun. 
And I guess he he was auditioning for a long, long time before he finally kind of got broke in. Uh, it's kind of funny to think about, yeah, just because he's so popular now. But he's, yeah, he's great. Uh, Still Jim, no Hulk movies that are with just him. That's I mean, a hard Jim character. Jim was clocking, clocking the wardrobe. First of all, I have to put out there that Jim seemed way too familiar with this movie. It seemed like this was regular viewing at the Vistano household because he was calling out scenes before they have. Oh, go, go watch, watch this. You're gonna, get, you're gonna love this. You're gonna love this part. Yeah, pointing out interesting tidbits we've missed. Yeah. I, just, yeah. know, I, I wanted to make sure we had a fair here. comparison and you guys were talking during the most important parts. <laughs> I didn't want you to be like, well, I didn't get this. Well, you didn't get it because you wouldn't shut up. Watch the movie. She's doing, she's doing a great job, but give her a chance. That's fair. Oh my God. I was pleasantly surprised. I, I didn't, it was, it was good. I didn't know what to expect or, or maybe I expected something a little more closely related to big and they were similar. Obviously the mechanism for uh, time travel was different and the actual the plot in big is that he's the only thing that's changed you know yes. and right. he wakes up he wakes up and as an adult in the exact same time he winked the wish right and right in, and in, in 1988 um, right and in 13 going on 30 she wakes up and or 17 years 17 years yeah right. which causes so many more problems story-wise that like yeah. I kept asking like oh so how does she have memories yeah. uh you know to know what the magazine had done in the past you know yeah you're pointing out you're pointing out plot holes how dare you I know I know <laughs> I think this is Jim's Godfather this no, might <laughs> this but you know I it's funny because I did watch Big today because I wanted to watch it again like fresh after watching Thirteen Going on Thirty and the points that you guys brought up last night about Thirteen Going on Thirty are the shortcomings that kind of Big didn't have as much. And I think, I think you're right. I think because they skipped forward in the storyline, there's all these questions of like, how did she become this? Like, she, you know, well, I don't want to give it too much away, but you know, she becomes not a very good person. And she doesn't, she doesn't know that because she's, you know, 13 now at this particular point, but between those 12 years or whatever, those 17 years, she turned into this, not a very nice person. And we don't know why or how, or, any of that stuff. It's like, there was no indication of that's what was gonna happen. Mm -hmm. I like True. that you are afraid of spoiling a movie that came out in 2004. I know. Well, we were gonna talk about <laughs> stuff, so you never know. You guys never saw it, so I figured maybe. <laughs> I think it's interesting too that you, you know, like, so, so at 13, she was a night, we're talking about uh, Jennifer Garner. At 13, she was this nice girl. She had a good friend. And then something must have happened to her in those 17 years that turned her into this person. Well, I guess it was how she let that event, her birthday party, affect her. Whether yeah, it's because then she becomes the leader of the bad girls and you're just kind of like, you know, 13 yeah. year olds could be pretty shitty too. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, how did she become like, like Zach said, how did she become the leader of this group? I mean, it's like, I can understand her being part of it, but she became the leader. She became prom queen. She became, how did that exactly. happen? She went from willing to do the bad girls homework. Yes. To yeah, the to being girl. the leader yeah. of the bad girl. I mean, I guess we were supposed to just go with that. Yeah. And like, mm -hmm. she was on a vendetta to become the most popular girl in school. And apparently she was successful. And I think for me, like in any script, in any story, it's the writer's job to trick the audience and to think that this imaginary character has real choices to make and that the end isn't predetermined. So even if your audience knows what the ending is going to be, Part of that enjoyment is presenting realistic choices for your characters so that it seems like maybe they're a choice that you would make or you wish that you could make that choice. It's like a fantasy mm -hmm. thing. And that gets audience investment. 
So or you just was, understand their motivation. Yeah. So I, for me, that was really the biggest difference. And also directing. I mean, Penny directed the shit out of this movie. But that was the biggest difference is that I believed authentically the choices that were presented to Tom Hanks' character. And I mm-hmm. didn't really believe the choices that were presented to Jennifer Garner's character. Also, that she just went right in. She just accepted her circumstances and <laughs> yeah. went with it. Guess no I'm working now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, when, when, when Tom Hanks went to, I love the scene where they're, you know, looking for jobs and he's doing the thing with the cherry. I mean, that's such a th- 11, 12 year old boy, you know, and they find a toy factory, of course, you know, and that would be computers or something. And, and his first day of work is so, it's just so well done. Like it was believable that he was acting as a 12 or 13 year old boy. Whereas Jennifer Garner's attempt at acting youthful came across I'm not sure how to describe it. It, it. it worked in some ways. And I thought parts it was a little more, it was a little more goofy. I think, I think that's what, it, and there was a lot of goofiness to it. That's I get, you know, it was like, you know, they're making it more playful, but it, big. Maybe it was shooting for a younger audience. I think, yeah. but then there was, was some weird sexual Jim, stuff that was like, Ugh. Jim, did Ava watch 13 going on 30? Oh Yes. So what did she think of it? Because she's she 13, 14 years old. Yeah, so she I loved think it. She, I think we, actually, I think we watched it last year and uh, she really liked it. She liked the it. The 27th time. I know. <laughs> I said, you got to wait. Hold, wait for me, though. But don't, don't watch it. Now. I'll be done with work in about an hour. <laughs> but, you know, I think that speaks volume to what uh, Zach had just mentioned. I think the target audience for 13 going on 30 was a 13 year old. And I think the target audience for big was yeah adults everybody that's but the also thing. big i also saw that big had it had more depth to it it had more like when he's in the hotel room by himself for the first time oh, yeah. and he's hearing the sounds and he's scared and you see he's scared that's real i mean you, re- you never saw you never really saw jennifer gardner that vulnerable whereas this is like a, a 13 year old kid in a city by himself all these weird sounds and noises and it's not all funny and games. It's like, he's generally scared. And you and not feel the emotion. You feel that, that, oh my God, how am I going to get through this type of thing with him? You know, he's sitting in the chair and just kind of crunched up. And it also pays off later where you see like him just like eating Oreos and there's gunshots and yep. screams. And he's like, yeah, this again, you know, yep. well, I feel it was funny because that part specifically is, is hilarious because you're right. Like he's watching a TV show and it's like, bang, bang, bang on the TV show. And then it's like, bang, bang, bang. And he just kind of looks and he's whatever, you know, like he's, yeah. that, that's a great payoff because that moment when he is sort of losing it in the, in the hotel room is touch. It's you feel that, you know, like that. He, he, yeah. He I hadn't work. seen this movie in a long time. And that scene in particular always stuck with me for some yeah. reason. So well acted. And, you know, we, I think we were talking about, we were watching the movie last night or Friday, 13 going on 30. It was probably about six minutes into the film and I was asking how far we were into the film, which is not really a great sign, but I, I looked it up and Jennifer Garner turns into a 13 year old 13 minutes into the movie. That's not unreasonable to get your movie started, but I felt like I felt like those 13 minutes felt like 25 minutes. Do you first. think they did that on purpose? Oh, like just a weird did. create and it's oh, like absolutely they 13 minutes yeah. but maybe that was the wrong choice maybe to have that little magical piece of it, you gain nothing exactly there were so many repetitive beats in those first 13 minutes i was like when i get it when are we going to really get into that story i felt like if they mm-hmm. wanted to spend more time developing jennifer garner's character as young jenna then maybe different situations that didn't feel so repetitive because well, i thought big, the- Big, we were in it like the first 10 minutes. We're totally, our entire world was built with rules and we were in the story in 10 minutes. 
Mm-hmm. Was it 10 minutes? Yeah. I mean, I, I think the motivation for growing up for both the one big, it was more heartfelt. It was, I mean, she was sort of jealous or something. She just wanted to be older because she thought that being a grown up was going to be better or some way. She wanted to be 30 and what was it? Flirty, 30, flirty and thriving. Right. And, and, and Tom <laughs> Hanks just wanted to be able to date this girl and go That's, on a roller coaster. Yeah. You know? He never wishes to be older. No, he right. would, wants to be bigger. Yeah. So if you think about it, he didn't actually get his wish. He no, got a he weird monkey's paw version of one. Yeah. Well, I think they both got that kind of moral lesson, lesson learning, teaching monkey paw wish, because obviously she thought just being 30 and 30, life would be better. So everybody's learning that you don't necessarily want what you wish for. You shouldn't get what you wish for. Mm-hmm. And then we can get into my feelings on the end of 30 going on 30 at some point. That's a whole other weird issue i thought <laughs> well i <laughs> one thing, one thing that, i wanted to bring um, up about there's one thing i wanted to bring up about because these kid both movies take place where the teenager is growing up in the 80s and being one of the only people on this podcast that was actually a teenager in the mid 80s um it did it, it brought me back to that time of being a kid and when there were kids and watching especially watching big because it was filmed back then so it was very authentic life as a kid in the 80s so much different than a life i have two teenagers and i know amber and, and steve you both have two teenagers life for teenagers now completely different wow. it's like it was so much more innocent back in the 80s there wasn't as much information. They weren't thrust into these adult worlds. And our kids now, there is so much information and so much stimulation that they're getting. I don't even know how you would even play that now because the kids right now are so into everything that if they were 30 years old, they'd be like, okay, it's the same exact thing that I'm doing now. There's so much information that they already have. There's no, that innocence that I loved from big, like watching it again, I was like that innocence, like I miss that. I miss that even in real life, it's like, I, there's not that same innocence anymore. And that was kind of sad for me watching. I'm like, gosh, I wish my kids had, I wish my kids kind of grew up in the eighties. It's true. Our teenagers today feel so adult already. Yeah. Right. But I mean, we had our own, I wasn't a teenager, but I'm just right behind you. We had our own issues. They were of a different type. Right. I think you're right. Like kids today at 13 or 14 are much more connected to the world than we ever were. So there was that innocence that we had. The social interaction alone. Right. I mean, yeah. All I know is that when, when young Jenna says, I just want to be 30, all of us went, yeah, like, yep. (laughs) Us too. (laughs) We all want to be 32. (laughs) That sounds great. 30 flirty and thriving. Sure. My dream. (laughs) Me, 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 me. I also have um, to say that I learned something new about each one of you during the watching of 13 going on 30. So one, during the thriller flash mob dance thing, Jim does an uncanny, excellent thriller laugh. So I, I need to hear that again. because That was so unexpected. Oh, Mike, I, I don't know. I, I, you have to play the song. And I get to the oh, end. I thought I could Yeah. you know what at the end of the podcast i'll I'll think i'll see i'll see if i can get uh, get into that that mode i don't want to mess it up it was key i actually in in my notes i wrote plus two gym thriller laugh (laughs) we should pretend like we heard it so that way we can cut it in later so we can all go go. oh man
too. Spot yeah, on. Spot so on. Good. <laughs> oh, so good. Oh uh, I learned Thanks. I learned that Steve's dream car is a 1974 gold Trans Am, the one from Smokey and the Bandits. Yeah, because they the um Those the boy awesome. had that in uh, 13 going on 30. That's the car I want someday. T tops, the gold mag wheels, the big firebird on the front. Yeah, that that's was the nice. car. I didn't. I never. That's not on my radar at uh, all. I, I like, like the. I like that? the black one with the gold fire. That, yeah, that's the one I, I like. Was the black was one with the, the gold fire? But it was just the gold version. I want the black one with the gold. <clears> one. Yeah, that was that was the car. And what I learned about Zach is that I learned that both Zach and I had never played Seven Minutes in Heaven or Spin the Bottle. Yeah, I don't think I've heard. I mean, seven uh, the seven minutes thing. I mean, I've only seen that in TV and in movies. Like, it's never come up in actual life. <laughs> uh, spin the bottle. I mean, like, yeah, I'd heard of people playing that, and, and it could feasibly happen in reality. But the other one, that's like Wonder Years, Freaks and Geeks. <laughs> I guess so. Maybe now, like, kids just to get there, and they're like, yeah, let's mac out. Exactly. Well, I don't need minutes. a game. Why do you need a time limit? <laughs> So Steve, you had said that you like the vehicles for time travel in both movies. And I did. And, uh. and the one in big is so iconic, you know, the Zoltar machine, the quarter. It always worked for me. So I was anxious to see how it was going to work in this one. And I liked it. I know basically, if you haven't seen it, her friend <laughs> makes this really great dollhouse for her for her birthday. And he puts her in it. And he puts himself in it. And it's this really great replication of their house. And then he sprinkles this wish dust, which is glitter. Where did the it. dust come from? Who knows? Yeah, it was a. It was just a magic mystery dust. dust. Just it, mystery magic glitter. Yeah. So when uh, this event happens that, that throws her off kilter, she starts to be, she gets really frustrated. She sits in the closet. She bangs her head on the, the wall and the dust. Well, you're, you're missing some steps. Oh, yeah? See, well, because they put the wish dust on it when it's just her and her chubby friend. But right. then when the cool kids get there, she's embarrassed of it. So she That's puts right. it in her closet, like up oh. on the shelf. And so right. then the whole seven minutes of thing happens and she goes in there and she's banging her head. So just the logistics of how it got onto the shelf. This is true. It's it, so it, convoluted. Like even listening to you guys have to explain <laughs> the setup for this stupid seat, like vehicle for scene transition is just, it's killing Well, me. I thought the wish was going to happen when they made the wish. And then it goes into this whole other thing. The, the seven minutes game is a whole other two or right, three minutes. So then it's like a late activation wishing dust that yeah. who knows where it came, which is just glitter. And you know, some mom is going to have to vacuum that shit up and I can't hates make it. I, maybe this is just a personal thing. I have such a, a passionate hatred for glitter. I was <laughs> yeah. super, super upset by this scene. I didn't like it. <laughs> no I also thought it was just, was... just really weak. I just thought it was a weak transition. That's well, all. I mean, Zoltar's so good. Go on. I was going to say, what, what can you think off the top of your head? What would have worked better? Like a coconut falling out of a tree or... She well, it should have been something that was built into the fabric of the story. Like with Big, it felt like there was a reason Zoltar was the vehicle because the inciting incident for him wanting to be big was not being able to be big at the amusement park ride. So it was just mystical there. enough. Yeah. And then it was also a very tangible object to go search out later in the film for the solution, which Jennifer Garner really... After she got there, she's like, "Yeah, I shouldn't just worry about it at all. I'm just gonna edit this magazine for." Yeah, right. Yeah, there was right. no, there was no time limit. There was no sort of uh, mm -hmm. that part in big work because you knew that. Okay, so at the beginning they say it's going to be six weeks, so they're like, "Oh my god, what are we going to do for six weeks?" But you know, maybe halfway through uh, the third week, he's like actually 
sort of transitioning in a way to being an adult. And that part of it always kind of threw me for a loop. It's it's funny though, the night that he sleeps with Elizabeth Perkins' character and the next morning, he is full of adulthood. I mean, he yeah. comes out of that place and, and he's taking phone calls and he still has the youthful exuberance, but you can tell he's grown up a bit after yeah. that, which most people do. Yeah. Sure. Well, you saw, you saw, you saw the character development and the arc and his growth. And we didn't really see that with Jennifer Garner. In fact, I was confused the first time during the thriller flash mob, she was a really awkward, geeky teenager who wasn't super outgoing. And yet she gets at this party with all these adults and she is confident and free and silly enough to solo go on the dance floor and start a thriller flash mob. It didn't even seem like it was the same character. That's the thing. It's like she was playing not quite 13, but like eight. It was, to me, just sort of a personality of like somebody that just didn't have any inhibitions and was kind of willing to do whatever just to have fun, as opposed to, like you said, this very kind of awkward teenager who didn't know what. There's no way she, there's no way that young Jenna would have done that the way they set her up. So I was just kind of confused. For me, that's not Jennifer Garner's fault. That's just the writing fault. Oh, it was yeah. not a good script. <laughs> that was You're right. The, and the end was kind of weird. It's kind of rushed. Like she runs out of the house, like, come with me. And then she opens the door. And when she opens the door, they're like now they're back at the same time. But now it's different because she's with him and they're getting married. And you're supposed to know, hey, I went back to be 13 again and changed my life. And this is where I ended up. It's yes. just it, you just there's so many pieces you kind of had to like just be like, OK. And the only <laughs> thing that's different in her perfect life is that she has a man in it now she well, doesn't have her know. job anymore she does we well, don't that's what i'm saying like all all i needed was just like what has she done with her own yeah. life now as opposed to make it sort of what mark ruffalo's character wanted you know they move into the house that he created i mean i don't know i'm looking far more into it than i probably should right yeah, Listen, exactly yeah zach we all know that the only way that a woman can be happy is to <laughs> get right. a man what come on I mean, that's oh, you the guys, message we want to send our young women, for sure. You know, that thriller scene was Ruffalo's first day on set. Wow. No wonder he didn't want to be there. <laughs> I mean, wow. And, and it was a little awkward, too, because they they, they have this party. He's like, uh, she's like, come in if you want. And then he comes, he does the dance, and then he just leaves. He was there for like five <laughs> minutes. Like, it, that part didn't yeah. make much sense. But yeah. no, that well, he part? was there as long as the script needed him to be there. He was done. Yeah. Just enough to enjoy some thriller flash mob and then- But just while out. we're on the, the Zoltar thing, I just had to point out that I loved everything with uh, the plug, mm-hmm. like because it's set up with the, the puzzle game that he plays puzzle games. And then like they set up that uh, it wasn't plugged in when he made the wish. So it's like, oh, that's kind of just a mystical weird thing. But then when the thing won't work at the end, he notices that it is plugged in. And I just thought that all those steps, even though they don't make sense, just sort of, like as reality would go, they made sense for the movie. And I thought those were nice beats. It was great. Like it, it fed into it, let you know that in this world, something magical is going to happen. It's not as on the nose as fairy dust, but. Yeah, it just didn't that. seem like, oh, this is, well, we need something for this script, you know, put something in, which is yeah, fairy it was really, it was really well thought out. And then can I just say again, I have to go back to the Penny's directing of it. There weren't any shots that I can recall in 13 going on 30 that as a director, I looked at and went, wow, that was really well thought out. And that is no shade on Gary. I'm sure he's great. But when you're looking at the shots, you, I can think of just a thousand shots in my head from Big. When we introduce Tom Hanks for the first time as Big, he wakes up, you see that shot of the bunk bed and it's just the edge of the bunk bed on top. And then all of a sudden 
two large feet drop down into frame. And then we cut to the floor and we see his feet drop down. We see him big at the same time that the character in the movie sees himself big for the first time. It's such a connecting, smart way to be in that person and character's point of view. Those are really, really strong choices. Those are the and, and also choices. The uh, little poem, poem song, whatever it is that they do, was actually something that Tom Hanks' son had come up with. And that was Tom's idea to use that as how he would be able to convince Billy that he was who he was. And uh, I don't know what they had in mind previously, but that just worked so well. It seemed like his his personality infused and made so many, it it informed so much of this movie. Even that scene with the the silly string, he was just hanging out with the kid who plays Billy and they were just playing. They weren't even part of, it wasn't part of the script and they were just doing that on their own. So there was just so much of his, I guess, personality put in there. Yeah, it was just, you could really feel that where I think, I think Jennifer is super cool and fun. She got this role because somebody saw her give an acceptance speech at an award show and they thought that she was really funny. It would have been nice, I think, maybe to give her maybe more a Jennifer. Better script. Yeah, something. Yeah, better script, but I didn't see maybe so much Jennifer. It's, it's interesting that you say that because I always I felt like Big was a movie, whereas 13 Going on 30 was a vehicle yeah. for Jennifer Garner. Yeah. And it just didn't have those sort of the effort, the directorial effort, you know, even or the actors. That another thing, uh, Robert Loggia and Tom Hanks studied the piano thing. They were actually going to have professional dancers do close-ups, but they'd studied enough to do it on their own, and I thought that was great too. Oh, that was so much so effort. great. One I mean, of my that, favorite that's an iconic scene. scene. One of my favorite scenes is the whole time he's in that toy store playing with all the toys playing with the kids playing with and then the, the main guy sees him and is watches him and then talks to him and they're talking and they're talking about what makes things good what makes things not good and he's just like as a kid it's like he's not thinking like an adult like well i would do it like this he's just like this is why it would work i don't i don't get this it was much better before because they had moving parts and it was more realistic i mean just very like this is why this is better and this is why you know this is why this toy isn't as good as it used to be and he was just matter of fact about it. Whereas if you're an adult talking to your boss, you're going to like, like, maybe like uh, sugarcoat it a little bit more. And he would just like direct, you know, this is what makes it, make, make it cool. And then that whole dance scene, of course, it's like, it's just very touching. It's just, a, you, you just feel like he is this really carefree kid in the toy store. And that's what you're supposed to, that's what, that's what a 13 year old would be. So Jim, Refreshing. I want to know, sorry, I want to know for Jim real quick, what was your favorite part of 13 going on 30? Uh, <laughs> probably, you know what? I, I, I do like the thriller scene. I, I think it was just fun. It's just, it's fun. It's just like, it, like it, it's thrown in there. It's, it's kind of like the fun thing. It's like, oh, this is what we're going to do. And, and, you know, who doesn't love the fact that everyone at a party knows the exact dance you're doing? I mean, that's perfect. I love that. I think that uh, going back to them in the toy store, the reason that Robert Loggia's character is so taken with Tom Hanks is because he has that honesty that maybe he or definitely doesn't hear on the regular because there's the scene at the party, which to me, that's my favorite scene, the Christmas party. When Elizabeth Perkins walks up to him and she starts asking him about reports and have you thought about this campaign? And he's like, you know, it's a party. Yeah. Have a drink, have two drinks, you know, like, so he's that, that they sort of established that he doesn't want the everyday business mm-hmm. aspect of it because he himself is in the toy store by himself, you know, and every and- week. Yeah, he, yeah goes, he so, said he goes there every week and watches yeah, that. And, and talk about direction. The moment that Tom Hanks walks into that party with that amazing tuxedo on. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. the way that he reacts to them reacting to him 
And then he checks his zipper, which everybody does. <laughs> yeah. And then yep. goes down and 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 just destroys the dip in the dip uh, <laughs> double dip the whole time. Yep. There's you so know, much I, subtlety in the whole like they don't yeah. call attention to their jokes, and that's what makes yeah. them work. I watched oh, in stark contrast, kids. remember when Jennifer Garner went into the party, she tried to do that same joke where the, she took a piece of shrimp, she yeah. ate it, and she literally threw it over her her shoulder yeah, and then she yeah. took like a bite of a turkey leg and threw it yeah she didn't it do hilarious. that as a 13 year old so stupid yeah it was funny as opposed no. to tom hanks where he was just trying to kind of hide it which is yeah. I, I did that as a kid yeah. you know you hide the food you're not really eating i do that as an adult <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was saying i watched this with my kids they had never seen it i have a, a, an 18 year old and a 14 year old and they enjoyed it quite a bit. There was lots of laughs. And I think that the part that made them laugh the most was the caviar milkshake, that classic bit where he goes and eats the beluga caviar. Oh, yeah. And then he's like, ah, you know, and, and, and then he's like, can I have a milkshake? They liked that bit. And they were also very jealous of his apartment, oh, which God, yeah. I don't know how much they were paying him at that. Uh, uh, that yeah. Circuit, right. But that thing would have cost $3 million even in 1984. Or whatever. Yeah, exactly. I was and like, there's no way they can afford this place. Yeah. That's the old, you know, that's the adult in us being like, there's not, nah, no, that's New York. Well, could, could we go get that job? Why are we, we're doing everything wrong. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You play with toys. Perfect. Yeah. As improbable though, as it was that he would have gotten that job, I thought that they worked it enough that it was believable. All the steps were kind of there. Yeah, yeah totally. for sure. And I think because of that, that scene in the toy store was kind of like, I think that was like a pivotal, a pivotal moment where the guy said, you know what, he knows toys, you know, product development, you know, let's run stuff by him and see what he says. Cause he believed like, Oh, he's going through all these different things and saying what's good and what's bad about him. And I think he's just believable. So they think the guy's like, yeah, let's give him a shot. I don't want to look at all these marketing reports and test groups and all that kind of stuff. And John Hurd was really good at his as his sort of foil, you know. Yeah, he was. Oh God, he played such Nemesis. a great asshole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you look at Thirteen Going on Thirty, Judy Greer, who I love her as a character actress, she's always been like such a good supporting castmate in any series that she's in. But it was not written into the script their relationship that you understood that she was a nemesis and evil, and then that turn at the end seems so strange. I remember reading something about they were they were so concerned with the costuming speaking for characters that uh, Jennifer Garner's character as she softened they took her wardrobe and kind of muted this color palette and made it softer and, and more feminine and then they darkened and sharpened Judy Greer's outfit when she became more evil and villainous and I wish they had spent more like that kind of detail um, attention on the script. <laughs> yeah, because right, because Jennifer Garner was also kind of the bad guy. Yeah, like, like, total jerk. Yeah, yeah, which was weird because that's what kind of that's what's kind of hard for me to wrap my head around in that part because she was never like that as a kid. We don't know why she became like that, and then we know there's a mole in the magazine company, and you're assuming it's Judy Greer, and it really should have been Judy Greer because she's the bad person. And when you make it Jennifer Gardner, it's like, but well, okay. What does that do? It's like, yeah, there's no one to root. It's like, but then she changed, but we never really saw her as evil. We never saw that evil side. We're just getting hints that she wasn't a very good person, but she was a good person as a kid and a good person at 30 when she supposedly 13. We never saw her not. Because she needed Matt in her life. Yeah, I guess That's right. It's weird weird to believe that one bad birthday party where she was embarrassed will turn you evil. Like, that's it. That's all you need. Uh Uh-oh. Unless you have a wacky time (laughs) travel adventure. (laughs) 
<laughs> to learn your lesson beforehand. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but I was surprised. I mean, just with the writer of Big, that, that they he had kind of done so many other different things, like Hunger Games and Pleasantville. And I like these movies, but to me, they're very different movies. Well, uh, Ocean's Eight. The snacks, the snacks to me of just a strong writer. Exactly. Well, what about, uh, what about the budgets for the well runtime? I guess so. Both uh, Big was 104 minutes, and 13 Going on 30 was 98 minutes. Big felt shorter to me. Yeah, I guess there were some, I don't know if it was the YouTube cut or, or what, but some deleted scenes that weren't in the version I watched. The version you guys saw, did you see Billy's Family? No, there's an no. extended version. I did look it up. There is a one uh, 130 minute version that has Billy's Family and there's, and there's certain scenes that are added and certain scenes that are longer. But I didn't see I didn't see that version. The version I saw that I watched again was the theatrical version. Okay. But there is an extended version that shows Billy's family and shows other scenes and stuff. That is so long. That's yeah. over two hours. I don't yeah, know how that that's, that's not a lot of extra food. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there was a lot of extra stuff, like the the mom talking to the cops and describing older Josh and describing him as the kidnapper and stuff like that. That wasn't in the you know the theatrical release. Definitely a few scenes added and then some scenes extended. The conversation with Billy and the mom on the walkie-talkies is longer. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, nothing that was absolutely needed. No. But no smart edits. Yeah, yeah. And then what was uh, what was the budget for Big? The budget for Big was eighteen million. Which wow. that's what Tom Hanks would cost now. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, his, the budget was 18 million. Uh, the opening weekend, it made 8.2 million, which back in 88, it's, yeah, that's, that's, that's reasonable. Decent. That's a good, that's yeah. a good amount of money. The total gross was uh, for us was 115 million. And nice. the worldwide gross was 151 million. And like you said, the runtime was about 104 minutes. So it wasn't, it wasn't really, really long. 13 going on 30, the budget was 37 million. Again, not a huge amount of money for 2004, which it came out in 2004. The opening weekend gross was 21 million, which is respectable. Wow. Over yeah. $20 million back then was, that's, that's a good opening. The yeah. total gross was only 57 million in the US. Mm. Interesting. And worldwide. I think that opening opening numbers all Jennifer Garner. That was all yeah. the alias oh, fans. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, similar I mean, as far as like success, big long term was definitely more successful, of course. Um, but opening weekend wise, I mean, they were very comparable, you know, at mm -hmm. that point. Budget and everything was pretty comparable for timing, you know, between yeah, I think so. You know, sure. What it, about uh oh sorry, Steve? I was going to say, it's interesting that, you know, in terms of movies, we talk about something as not being a huge blockbuster. It made how much? Uh, 13 going on 30 overall, 50 what? U.S. was 57 million. So it made $20 million. And we're like, eh, it was okay. You know, I mean, for a studio to make $20 million on anything is a, right. is a success. I was, and the funny thing is too, if you notice, and even like when, we, when we're reviewing movies from the eighties and stuff, and we look at the worldwide gross, the worldwide gross is not usually that much more. You right. look, look at worldwide grosses now, it's like, it could be triple what it is. And so a lot of movies now are getting made and even if they're not great movies, they get money overseas, they don't care. So it's like, that's what we're kind of seeing a little bit nowadays where it's like the worldwide gross makes a huge difference because the, the reach we can have now as opposed to what we had four mm -hmm. years ago. Yeah, I think 1994 was the first year that China got American films. Yeah. And they're, in fact, I mean, a lot of movies today are made specifically for the China market because it makes so much true. money. Yeah, the Asian, of people the right Asian there. Mm -hmm. Global. Well, what you about um, audience, we got audience numbers. What about audience reception? Like, what did Rotten Tomatoes and like Metacritic say about each one of these films? 
for big Rotten Tomatoes, the audience score was 82 and the Rotten Tomatoes score was 97. Oh, wow. solid. Yeah, solid. Yeah, it's a, a definitely a I solid. I don't think we've ever had a film that scored that high. It, yeah, that's it, a, universally it's a, so well liked. No yeah. way. And then 13 going on 30, the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes was 70. So still respectable. Still and the Rotten Tomatoes score was 65. So less, it was still, you know, still in the tomato category, but not like big. <laughs> I'd say uh, fairly, that's a fair uh, score. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, that is the sure. score is definitely very fair for sure. Well, what did um, I, what did Metacritic have to say about this? Oh movies? wait, hold on a second. Before oh. that, then we have to do the. Uh, I made a new Metacritic song. Ready? Oh, we go. listen up, folks. This is some really heavy hitter. It's Metacritic. Jim Metacritic. Jim 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 Metacritic. Gonna read some reviews on Metacritic. It's just time to read some reviews now. Jim, his name is Jim. So good. Hilarious. You are amazing. <laughs> Critic reviews. I, I, I grabbed a critic review, a, a real critic review for each one of these. Um, I try to grab a, a positive and a negative. It's really hard finding a negative critic on big. So basically, they're mostly raw positive. But this was a good one. I like this one. It was from the United Press International. This is Kathy Burke. And she wrote, what makes this all work, of course, is Hanks himself, who brings remarkable authenticity and simplicity to the role. He makes being a kid seem as wonderful as it was and as scary and confusing too. So I think she kind of brought what we talked about. It's like he brought all the elements together and that's what made it so believable. There was like the really fun, fun part. And there's also confusing and scary parts too. So I like that. I liked her. I liked her review. But let's get the Metacritic. The Metacritic was score, score was 73 for big and the user score was 8.6. So very solid numbers, of course, for big. I like this, like, I usually go for like the funny, cool names, but this, I liked her, she would, this or his, Cameron Holmans. He says, or she says, it could be, I guess, either one. Uh, give it an eight and says, Beak teaches us various, a very simple lesson. Cherish every part of your life, live it in time. Hold on to your youth because no matter how much you like to grow up, you can't look past all the things you've learned and all the fun you has as a, have as a child. As an adult, keep the same youth in you. Live life with a carefree attitude. You'll win more people over if, you're always, if you always have the quality inside you. It works in both realms. The time you have as a child comes once. The time you have as an adult comes to those who wait. Great things happen in both stages of life. So wait until you're after out of junior high to have sex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Only losers do that. Yeah. Oh my God. So that, that was, was very nice. sweet. That was a nice was heartfelt sweet. one. And yeah, someone like, was that from Ann Landers? My gosh, it was just like very, very nice. It's very good. Um, I did find a negative Metacritic. Wow. Um, I don't want this to throw you guys off, but you know. Possible. Metacritic, this is from Steve1981. And I'm going to paraphrase because basically what he does, he, he talks about the movie and then he like, I'll start it and I'll let you guys know. He kind of goes on a rant, on a kind of a rampage of rage of like sure. what the movie is. I'm going to cut some of that, that stuff out. The vitriol, yes. Yeah. Um, Big was made in 1988 and is a comedy romance fantasy type film starring Tom Hanks, Elizabeth Perkins, John Hurd, John Lovitz. Basically, Tom Hanks starts off as a, ki- a school kid in, a little, in Little League and hanging out with his school friend, Billy. Then one night at a fairground, accompanied by his parents, he wanders off a bit, then makes a wish on a Zoltar machine to become big. And then he kind of goes off and talks about the plot of the show, the plot of the movie, you know, that we all know already. And then he says, whatever, but it's boring. 
and it's not the slightest bit interesting. Tom Hanks gives an excellent performance, but the bore factor in the movie kills what life he brings to the film and big feels overlong and tedious. And at time, even though the romance and chemistry between Tom Hanks and Elizabeth Perkins is great, not a good film. Wow. wow. Interesting take. Yeah. It was bored and uninterested. I, I honestly, I don't know. That was really one of the only negative things I could ever <laughs> find. On Maybe you watched the extended edition. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, must, I don't know. Whatever he watched, he was not very happy about it. Those extra wow. scenes ruined it for him. It did. <laughs> and then my third Metacritic is from um, Albert Keane, Movie Guy. He gave it a two. Also not a huge fan. Not as biting as Steve 1981. Yeah. Hmm. He says, I don't know what the big quote unquote deal is. <laughs> oh, LOL. He puts oh, that boy. in there. Plus one. <laughs> People get caught up in the nostalgia of this movie. I don't think they actually watched it or what it is. A creepy woman, Elizabeth Perkins, preys on Tom Hanks for the whole movie to try to get ahead in her career. She's oh my God. Tom Hanks will never be the same. I know people will be upset with this analysis, but I say no. It's open on one position, and that is one adult relationship being thrust into a 13-year-old boy. Gross. Thrust? She oh. didn't know what, that, that's ridiculous. I think something might've happened to this person. Yeah. And, and, and thrust into her or him. <laughs> and Josh gave her unknowingly, but gave her signals that would indicate that he was. So I don't think she did anything wrong. No. Well, even if not. that's you know. crazy because she yeah. didn't know he was 13. No, exactly. But, um, but as always, and we'll, we'll go movie by movie, the Metacritic. One of these Metacritics is our own Steve Walter. Dun, dun, dun. So wait, so, so give us the choice of, because we had the real, you had the real critics. That person's not part of the game, right? That person's not part of the game, no. Okay, so give us uh, the options again. It was, it was the person who was really, who taught us the big, teaches us a very simple lesson, cherish every part of your life. Is that Steve 81? That is Cameron Hallman. Right home um, Steve, uh, Steve, nineteen eighty one was big. <laughs> big was a um, uh, not very interesting, boring. Tom Hanks gives mm-hmm. an excellent performance, but the bore factor kills it. Okay. And Albert Keane, movie guy, says he doesn't know what the big deal movie is. The big deal the movie is, lol, um, and then <laughs> thinks that Elizabeth Perkins is a child molester. Wow, that's tough because would Steve go so bold as to use his own name to throw us off as a red herring? Mm, that's I'm my thinking, vote. I'm thinking yes. <laughs> that, is that both of your votes, Steve 1981? Yeah. yeah. Um, Steve was Albert Keene movie. <gasps> wow. Steve, you got us. You wow. missed the palindrome again. <clears throat> what was the palindrome? Uh, read that sentence that says one position something. Uh, towards the bottom. It's open on one position. Yep. It's open on one position. Open on one position. Oh, it's open on one position. So that if you go back. Or no, I'm sorry. No, it's, it's no. open. Yeah. I say no, it's open on one position. So it's no open on one position. You know how hard it is to shoehorn oh, no. those things in there? Jeez. Yeah. Oh the funny God. thing is too, it's like when you send them to me, I read them and I'm like, this sentence doesn't make any sense. And I'm not sure if he's making it like this or if I should change it. I'm like, I'm not changing it. <laughs> you know, I'll never uh, identify that. Yeah. Oh, I'll never do it. Yeah. Yeah. If you no, put it stuff, I would, but if you put it no. inside the, no, never. Well, no, it was a good balance on the one that you did because yeah. I was like, well, he, he's negative, but not that. Yeah. 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 That was a good one. Yeah, you fooled one. us. Well, Look at you. It, like, and I got to <laughs> give credit to Jim for actually finding a negative 
big review. God, yeah, that yeah. Was, that was hard. That was, I went through them all, and I'm like, yeah, it's really hard to find. I'm like, and I saw that one, and it was really long. So I'm like, well, I'll take the first part and the last part, and because the middle part, he basically he just tells the plot. This is what he does, and he goes to work at a you know toy store, and he does this. And he doesn't say anything really negative, but then at the then at the end, he goes, but it was boring. Just like your review. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, right. That could have cut 20 minutes out too. No. Right. Go down to the, uh, that was the extended edition review. <laughs> exactly. We need the, the theatrical release version. So Rotten Tomatoes, uh, the 13 going on 30s, the Rotten Tomatoes review from Entertainment Weekly, Dalton Ross says, yes, it's a female version of Big. And yes, the story is fairly disposable. But gosh, if Gardner doesn't somehow pull it off. So she he was a fan. And I picked up that one because I like Jennifer Gardner. So whatever. <laughs> you were a fan. I thought that one was written by Jenny Vistano. <laughs> if Tom Hanks is America's sweetheart, she might be the other America's sweetheart. Even though she's not as big of a star, I think that right. people, people like care her. about her in a weird way that they don't care about other celebrities, it would seem. Yeah. And they were, and they overlook some of the other flaws in some of the stuff that she's been in, maybe. Oh, movie-wise, sure. Yeah. Really? Electra. Yeah, come on. We don't talk about that. <laughs> Listen, she's such a stand-up chick, you know, after all that Ben put her through. And then somehow we I couldn't figure out how they got Jennifer or why they put Jennifer Lopez's picture on the cover of the magazine. Because it was because 2004. It's a, it was because before. it's a but it's a fictitious magazine. So and at that point, that was when uh the whole Benefer thing was was uh, happening was with Jay. Yeah, they were that. They were dating at the time that this movie no. was out. So why would they do that to poor Jennifer Garner? Is that true? Yeah. I thought it was. I thought it was way before. Is it? No, it, was it was during that time. So oh like, my why? god! Why? Why would you do that? It's like slapping your star in the face. I wonder if a she, wink and a nod. I wonder if she even knew if they put that in post, like afterwards. I don't know. Also, I don't know the legalities of you using somebody's image like that for a fake magazine in a movie. And well, they definitely have to get her permission, but that's, yeah, he was yeah, married. Creepy. He was with Jennifer Lopez till 2004, and he married Jennifer in 2005, which would have been the next year. Oh my god! Weird. Yes. Weird. Oh my god. Maybe it was just like smack between their relationships somehow. Like a coincidence? Yeah. I mean, who knows? It must. You're right. I mean, because they filmed the movie before that. Oh. <laughs> If that was a choice, like if that wow. was somebody having a great sense of humor, I support that a thousand percent. Otherwise, it's just weird. they should have used it with the rest of the movie, or it's foreshadowing <laughs> that great sense of humor. <laughs> All right, so the Metacritic reviews for Thirteen Going on Thirty, eight, uh, fifty-seven Metacritic score, so mm, not as good as Big for sure. And then the user score is eight point one, which is right on with Big. Eight, eight, big wow. was eight point two. It must be a bunch of young girls. Yeah. In <laughs> so i found this metacritic one i love this one because it's short and to the point i think you know you guys would agree with this guy the most i think this guy is named matta m-a-t-t-a and he says i like tom hanks better stick to alias girlfriend <gasps> wow sassy <Yeah>. cutting <laughs> sassy review <laughs> i like that one um metacritic jackie bonbon gave it a six and um she or he says, I love me a good rom-com. This movie almost hits all the marks. Jennifer Gardner is cute and her performance is believable. The part that didn't work for me was the Judy Greer character. I'm going to read it how it's written. Okay. <laughs> want mean enough. She really didn't do anything that a normal woman would not have done in her situation. Mark Ruffalo was cute, but I would have stayed with the hockey player. <laughs> oh, wow. She didn't learn ah. anything. 
<laughs> I gave it a six, so you know. And then the last Metacritic gave it a ten. Nice. A Gleek is the <laughs> username. This was one of the first comedies that made me realize comedies were more were becoming something more than just laugh machines. I think a shrewd sense of time is irrelevant when you are in a genre of fantasy, which this is. The morals that it presents but does not shove down your throat are impeccable and everyone would, be, would live happier lives if they listened to the message in this movie. It's never too late to be a better person and choose quality, quality over quantity. That's right. Go get your Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so of those three, oh, man, is our Steve's? My vote for this one is oh, Amber. You go first. I'm sorry. Well, go give me my three options again. Sorry. It is. I like Tom Hanks better. Stick oh, to like the names. Names. Um, Mata M A T T A. Mata. likes Metacritic. Jackie Bonbon is the one who loves rom com, but would have picked the hockey player over Mark Ruffalo. And Agleek was the one that says this is the first comment that made her realize comedies are more than just laugh machines, and it's never too late to be a better person and to choose quality over quantity. I'm going to go Bon Bon. I'm going to go Gleek. Steve is Bon Bon. Wow. Yay! Well, I mean, the, the choosing the hockey player over Mark Ruffalo should have given it away because, you know, Steve yeah. was all about the hockey player in this movie. Well, I actually was, thought oh, that we yes, had heard yes. that, that name before, Jackie Bon Bon. That's what threw me off. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't know, maybe. But uh, so I'm curious. So the last review said choose quality over quantity. Yeah, quality of choose quality over quantity. Yeah, what quantity did she receive? I think Mark Ruffalo's fetus, all the stuff in her life. I think choose quality like Mark Ruffalo, quantity being, you know, oh, you being funny. I'm sorry. Was I, did I just like (laughs) Well, something that we didn't talk about with 13 going on 30 that was kind of weird. First of all, uh, we did not mention the music, which was awesome. Yeah. Oh, plus five. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely on 13 going on 30. Well, I liked, back to the music for a second. I like the way they stuck with the 80s music, even though they were in 2004, because that's where she kind of came from. So mm-hmm. I like the fact that they did stick with the 80s music. The that whole saved movie. it, man. That was the best part of the movie. Yeah. I remember now that they, they, they sort of skated over the whole alcoholic portion of her life. Like the moment that she gets a pina colada, She's drinking almost the rest of the movie, it seems like, you know, maybe until the end when she starts to wise up. Right. Yeah. Sipping on martinis and drinking all this stuff. And I'm like, yo, she's 13 and didn't seem to, but I guess because she was already kind of a booze hound in her grown up life, it didn't make anybody bat an eyelash, but. No, right, yeah, it was yeah. a poor, poorly put together. All, um, the, all the thoughts were not really solid here. <laughs> do you, do you guys mind if I read a review that I happened to see on IMDb? Oh yeah, go for it. I just wanted to share this. I I, I don't have a song for you, Zach. Damn. Oh, that's okay. Uh, I don't normally (laughs) do this, but I just wanted to read this. It's uh, 13 Going on 30 by Rogue32. And uh, this person says, it's impossible to imagine this film with anyone other than Jennifer Garner in the lead role. She shines so brightly and so brilliantly in every scene, elevating what would most likely have been a flat and shallow affair without the seemingly effortless magic of her performance. Not that the other players weren't good. Mark Ruffalo came off great here and the rest of the cast was fine. No problems with anyone. It's just that the story or the telling of it wasn't exactly original. No matter what with Garner lighting up the screen, she's a charmer all right with her superb comic timing, her infectious warmth and her natural talent for making the audience care deeply about her. You can't learn these things in any acting school on any planet. 
And my did daughter is the best. Did you write that one, Zach? Love. Yeah, I, I did not. I, did. I was just going to say, was that love uh, Jennifer Garner stalker? Like, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, right? On any acting school on any planet. Wow. That is a fan. I want a fan like that. So, yeah, some people like the film. Yeah. <laughs> you all loved it. That person's bordering on something else, though. That's not- Yeah, that person's on a Jennifer Garner. I love her. Everybody loves Jennifer Garner. And she's, like I said, she's a very endearing character for some reason. I, I feel like society and certainly all of us generally like her. She seems like a nice person, but that is weird. She's all <laughs> lips and cheekbones. She's not a great actress. She's not a great actress. She is. A, no. a, a, she could be considered. I mean, I think, like, I think she's a good actress. I think. I yeah. don't think she's good. You know she's what I mean? Super. Yeah. She's super appealing and likable. Yeah. People she's like likeable. to watch her. Yeah. yeah. Guys like her because she's pretty and she's funny, and girls like her because she seems like a real person. Yeah. Well, if you and, and again, she made this while making Alias, which is odd because Alias was such an action type show, and this was completely a different character than that. So totally that could type. be part of the reason she kind of did that was like, I don't want to be typecast as the female James Bond type of person and just get these types of roles. I want to yeah, also be able to do these softer yeah. type things. Dare, so. Daredevil Six, yeah, she yeah. just wanted to do something else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, I think it's kind of unanimous. I think all of us felt like Big was the more successful movie as far as Big is a classic. Yeah. Watching it again, I was like, wow, I forgot how good this movie is. Yeah, so good. It made me cry. 100% agree, but I did not hate 13 going on 30. No, I know. And I like that. It was super cute. It was really cute. It was just a very flawed story. I think it definitely was It's a fun movie. It's it's one of those movies you watch and it's fun. And Some of the performances I liked, I like uh, Andy Serkis in it. I like Mark Ruffalo, even though he seemed like he was on a Soma a lot of the time. (laughs) (laughs) But but real, you know, good. I think that this might have been the closest, if you can say, of all the matchups that we've done. For me, this was the closest sort of comparison where you could say, I like things. There's really just nothing to not like about Big. I mean, there's like right. no yeah. parts that you go, I, I don't really particularly like that. It all works. You know, this mm-hmm. one had plenty of moments that worked. I laughed out loud. I loved seeing Jim's sort of exuberance for the movie. So I mean, <laughs> all that works. Just like some of the script was unfortunate the thriller parts come out the thriller parts come out (laughs) all jim jim kept saying we we would ask these questions like why would she and all jim would say is she's 13 (laughs) (laughs) right right that's right you're like i know why she did that she's 13 years old she's She's 13 in a 13 year old's mind yeah yeah jim moved into a very mansplaining place for most of that film you guys have to remember she is 13 she's (laughs) a child in an adult's body we're like, is That's that why she's hitting on you? that, you know, twelve-year-old boy. That oh, was hilarious. That I forgot about that scene where, she, they're, where they're in the bar, and then the girlfriend's like, "Oh, that guy's looking at you," and she's like, "Oh, he's cute." And uh, the, her girlfriend Judy Greer is looking at the guy at the bar, and she's looking at the kid in the booth, and she walks yeah, that over. That was hilarious. That was that, a was, good that was really really that was funny. funny. That was actually really funny. That I like that we had like a portion a portion of the film where. <laughs> Jim was eyeing Jennifer Garner's flats because she was walking next to Mark Ruffalo. She's like, wait, is Jim wearing flats? So how tall is Mark Ruffalo? And we had to actually <laughs> stop and have a conversation about how tall we thought Mark Ruffalo was. And it turns out they're the same height. They're both by weight. She's <laughs> quite tall for a girl and he's average size. So that's good for camera stuff. Yeah. I thought I a cute couple. To me, I mean, especially for a leading man, I mean, that's that's short. I wonder if that had anything to do with how long it took him to get kind of going as an actor. Well, I mean, there's eight, a lot of actors. Eight is not short for Tom Cruise. Oh, but I mean, Tom again, Cruise? Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise. Yeah. Robert Downey Jr., also very tiny. Is he, 
Yeah, there's sure. a lot of there's a lot of them. I think nowadays, I think you're seeing a lot more tall actors. There was a, a period of time where there was, I mean, they you thought they were bigger because of the way they shot them and the way, they, but they were like, I think five ten was like tall for an actor back then. And I think yeah. they like that too because then you when you have the height disparity. If you ever watched like Four Christmases, I've talked we talked about this, and you have Reese Witherspoon and Vince Vaughn. It's like I, I don't know how they got in the same frame. It's it like he's true. like five foot and he's like six four. And it's From like editorial standpoint, Amber, that's that's difficult to do that. That sort of framing, it always looks weird. You know, in, in Top Gun, Kelly McGillis is way taller than Tom Cruise. So all the scenes that they're doing together, she's sitting down or he's leaning up against something so that the, that their height differences are offset yeah. because she, I, they never, and I think maybe the scene where they had the kiss next to the car, he might've been standing on a apple box or something. Yeah, I mean, I, I, can't, think, that, I think that happens a lot. Yeah, I can't remember what movie it was, but there was some movie where the woman had to walk in a trench next to yeah. the guy to be on the same height. I have to look it up. But, There's no. a great joke in there somewhere, but I'll just let it go. <laughs> Well, I think, I think that's all for, for this episode for this week. Yeah, go watch Big Again, everybody. Yeah. Oh my gosh, great. so good. Absolutely. But I think we have some stuff. So, so, Zach, how is your new podcast coming along? Uh, good. It still hasn't been released yet, but it appears that So Fast, So Furious may be making a return. So, really? Uh, yeah, oh, cool. I hope so. We, we went to see Fast and Furious 9, and I convinced some, you know, the guy that doesn't like to drive that we could do it over Zoom. Oh, that's having... great! Yeah. So, yeah, no, that's been going going good. But the other one, debut review, is also good. I am excited to get it out there. You know, we'll see. That's awesome. Well, tell, uh, tell everyone what that's about again. We take uh, a band or an artist's first album, and uh, we just discuss it. But we kind of take a, like, we have a list of criteria. Say, like, an 80s R&B band or a singer or a bald singer. So each of the three of us have to pick a band that fits that criteria. And then we randomly select one of those three. So it's pretty random who we end up talking about. Very cool. And then Jim, you've been working and you've been busting butt for weeks on the new campaign that's coming out. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? It's been felt like years. It's years. <laughs> it's the Lexus uh, sale summer event campaign and it's coming out in like a week, July 1st. <gasps> Thank God. I'll be sleeping. I'll be sleeping on July 2nd. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, you've been working so hard lately. Is there a tagline for the campaign? Can you say? Well, I mean, it's, I mean, Lexus has its, you know, experience amazing. That's their tagline, you know, and then the summer sales event is the golden opportunity sales event. So basically our golden opportunity sales events always our summer campaign and December to remember is our winter campaign. It's exciting. I can't wait to see what it's all about. I know that Steve heist, is on Netflix, finally. Yes, yes. Go check out the trailer, you guys. It's a really, really cool show, Heist. It's three different stories, six episodes, true life, uh, some of the biggest heists in American history. And I did the Foley for it. Sounds really good. I'm excited. I'm really check excited. I'm out. definitely going to watch that. I love so, Heist. So cool. <laughs> that explains like all my stemware is missing. That's right. <laughs> I, if, I'm not into capers. If it's a heist, where, you, where are you hiding it then, Zach? Because I didn't. You didn't have a bag with you. That's weird, man. Can't give away my secrets, man. Good lord. <laughs> it's probably your uh, your college friend Steve that stole the meat and put mm-hmm. like seventy pounds of meat in his pants. Yeah, yeah, that's a long story. Someday we'll tell that one. But my, uh, we went fishing and we didn't have any fish, so my friend just stole a bunch of meat, put it in his pants. Got away. Like what? That's a that's a talented shoplifter. Yeah, yeah it was pretty say. crazy. Uh, I had some very bad friends growing up. My friends now are much better. What kind of pants was he wearing? 
Well, it was the '90s, so they were like baggy, sort of you like Zubaz. That's what I was asked. Like we could Gas never pants. do that today with <laughs> yeah. the skinny like jeans. Hammer pants. They could steal meat. <laughs> they were hammer pants, and he just yeah. crammed a bunch of meat in there. Wear my parachutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, we have uh, exciting news on the Stillwater front. We found out this week that Stillwater won a Peabody Award, so that's really super exciting. Nice. Big honor! Awesome. Yay! So you can still see season one episodes on Apple TV. Woohoo! Look out for Hamster and Gretel on Disney Plus. Great nice. new animated wow. series from the creator of Phineas and Ferb. I like that title already. That. I'm cool. going to stop complaining course. about being so busy now. <laughs> is Gretel a gerbil? No. Okay. Just, just curious. <laughs> and check out uh, whatever is going to be next week on Film Fight. We'll keep you guys posted. Yeah. You take my mom's ones, suggestion. Good Thanks, ones in the hopper. All right, everyone. Have a great night. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Sound effects courtesy of the Soundly app. Go to GetSoundly.com for your complete sound effect platform. Intro and outro music for this episode is District 4 by Kevin McLeod. Hear more like this on Incompetech.com. Thanks for listening, everybody, and be sure to rate us on iTunes and give us a review if you feel like it. Shoot us an email at filmfightpodcast at gmail.com if there's a matchup you'd like to see. And that's it for this week. Catch us next time for another episode of the Film Fight Podcast.